Good morning, church. Thank God for His goodness, uh, His mercy, His care, and His blessings. Without God, we would not be. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Our gracious and kind Heavenly Father, thank you for the beautiful and wonderful opportunity to worship you. We ask, Lord God, that you will rid our minds of worldly thoughts and help us to focus only on you and on your word, your will, and your way. We ask, Lord God, for your guidance and for your mercy that you'll keep us our minds on Jesus, your great son, who so willingly died on that cruel cross of Calvary that we might live. It's in Jesus' most wonderful, magnificent, awesome name we pray these things. Be thy will. Amen. Welcome to our visitors. We're glad and thank God that you're here. And we're also happy that you're worshiping with us this morning. We're picking up today from Exodus chapter 23, where we left off last week, the messenger of the covenant. Now God has manifested himself in so many ways. And here, if you will, through the angel or the messenger who brings the word to us. In Exodus 23, beginning at verse 20. Behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared for you. And what God said, we looked at last week, was pay careful attention to Jesus and what he has to say and obey him. And in verse 21, the text says, be on your guard before him and obey his voice. Do not be rebellious toward him for he will not pardon your transgressions since my name is in him. Colossians chapter 1, please. Do not be rebellious against the messenger of the covenant, for salvation is found in him. And God says, my name is found in him. And we know as God has revealed to us through the New Testament, giving us more knowledge of the Godhead, that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God while on the earth. Now, how do you explain that? I really have no clue. But the Bible says in Colossians 1 and verse 19, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. And then over the next chapter, chapter 2 and the verse 9, the Bible says, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And what did Jesus, John chapter 10, what did Jesus try to teach the people over and over again to gain, if you will, for them an understanding of the Godhead? Jesus says in John 10 and verse 30 that I and the Father are one. The message of God becomes clearer and clearer of the power that's displayed in the Godhead. Jesus, as he spoke the message in John chapter 8 in verse 56, he comes to the audience in a way that is so powerful, they couldn't handle it. Jesus says in John 8 in verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. The Jews therefore said, to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? 
Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. So he reaches way back into the Exodus and says that I am the God, if you will, the burning bush, the God who spoke to Moses. I am who I am, the self-existent one. The Bible says they picked up stones and attempted to stone him. Back to Exodus 23, please. The messenger of the covenant has something to say. The messenger of the covenant had a message for the people. They were supposed to listen, to obey, to follow. And God gives this amazing conditional promise. And he says in verse 22, But if you will truly obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. And you know that's not the first time nor the last time that God said that. Back to Genesis chapter 12. I want you to listen to the the way that God mentions this to Abram. He says to Abram in Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, as Abram leaves his father, his household, and follows God. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to a land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I will bless. We're going to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I will bless you. And I will bless those who bless you. And those who curse you. I will curse. In Exodus, he says, I will be an enemy to your enemies. Second Thessalonians, that same promise is given to us in chapter 1, verse 3. We ought to always give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting because your faith is greatly enlarged and the love of each one of you toward one another grows even greater. Therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to give relief to you who are afflicted, and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. And so the message of God is clear. It is crystal clear. It is continuous. And God says, I'm going to bless you, and I'll take care of your enemies. You serve me. You honor me. Back to Exodus 23, please. You obey me. Don't be vengeful. Don't uh, uh, hold a grudge. You just let me be God. And I'll take care of your enemies. But God does it in an amazing way. God always does these things by way of salvation. You see, when God repays our enemies, 
God also at the same time is trying to save our enemies. We wouldn't do it that way. Right? So God says don't, don't go out there and, and make enemies. And then, and then don't go out there and, and be vengeful towards your enemies. Instead, you serve me and I'll take care of all of that for you. Exodus chapter 23. Israel, even though they had these great promises, did not obey. They did not obey. They, became, they were just so selfish and, and, and so, so wicked. They just went contrary to the will of God. And you wonder, why would they do that? And I wonder in my heart, why would I do that? Verse 24, they failed. You shall not worship their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their deeds. But you shall utterly overthrow them and break their sacred pillars in pieces. But you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will remove sickness from your midst. God says, I want, you to, I want you to stay with me. Don't be like the world. Be different from the world. We talked about that in our Bible class this morning. And in verse 26, There shall be no one miscarrying or barren in your land, and I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror ahead of you, and throw into confusion all the people among whom you come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets ahead of you. And they may drive out the Hivite and the Canaanite and the Hittites before you. And I will not drive them out before you in a single year. That the land may not become desolate. And the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. I will drive them out before you little by little until you become fruitful and take possession of the land and I will fix your boundary from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the river Euphrates for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you will drive them out before you God gave this spectacular promise but that wasn't good enough I and I wonder, when I think about my life and maybe the lives of others, I wonder, we're going to Judges chapter 2, what could God do for me that I would say, okay, God, that's enough. It, just, it seems like we're never, ever satisfied. You know, it just wasn't enough. I'm going to give this whole land to you, but that wasn't enough. I'll be an enemy to your enemies, but that wasn't enough. I'll bless you and I'll keep you, but that wasn't enough. Enough, Israel rebelled against God. They failed. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bokeh. And he said, I brought you up out of, the, out of Egypt and led you into the land which I sworn to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And as for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed me. What is this you've done? What is this? Why haven't you listened? Why haven't you obeyed the message from the messenger? Therefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you, 
but they shall become as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare to you. And it came about when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the sons of Israel, that the people lifted up their voices and wept. So they named that place Bochum, and there they sacrificed to the Lord. You, you do realize that we only have one life. We have one life to live, and we have to live this life for Jesus and so many people, sadly enough, wait too long and too late. Some people, you know, we, we would, you hear people saying things like, don't wait to come to church or worship. Don't wait until six men bring you in. Right? And there are so many people who have done that. And you might know of some. And sad as that is, just like Israel, God seems to never be able to satisfy us or give us enough. And maybe that speaks to my own selfishness or to your selfishness. That God always has, always has to take second place in my life. And God can never be number one because it always has to be about me, like Israel. Israel. And they said, God, well, what? Is it too late? Yeah, it was too late. In Isaiah 63, there's a text in which the Holy Spirit speaks. In Isaiah 63, in verse 9, in all their affliction, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his mercy, he redeemed them, and he lifted them and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore he turned himself to become their enemy and he fought against them. So God says, I'll be an enemy to your enemies. But it ended up being that God became their enemy because they made God their enemy. Let's not do that. God loves us so much that he wants to be with us always. And he said, I'll never leave you nor will I ever forsake you. That's how important we are to God. Malachi, please, chapter 3. God wants to be with us always. Do we want to be with Him? Always. Even in this life in which we live. In Malachi 3, the messenger of the covenant, Jesus has something to say. Verse 1, the Bible says, Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, that's John the Baptist, and he will clear the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller soap. And he will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may be present Excuse me, that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. In other words, God needs to make us and mold us. Thank you, God, for that. How many of us want God to make us and mold us, right? Make me over, God. Transform my mind. Change me into being the man and the woman that you want me to be. Take away all the selfishness from my heart. God, make me, make me a servant. We sang the song. Do we mean it? 1 Corinthians chapter 
10, please. Do we mean that? God, make me a servant. Make me like you? Is that what we mean to say? Or do we have some sub-points and subtext in between the make me like you? As long as that I have my own rules. God gave us an example. God said, Israel, I, I want you to look at Israel, and I want you to think about Israel, and I want you to observe Israel and examine Israel and the way they live their lives. In rebellion towards me, I, I want you to be the exact opposite. Verse 5, was God pleased with them? Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now, these things happen as examples for us. He gave us some examples. Okay, let's take a look and see what God is saying to us. He said, I gave you an example, and I want you to follow the example of God and rebel against the example of Israel. I gave you an example. Now, these things, it says, happen as examples for us that we should not crave evil things as they also crave. Do not be idolaters. Some of them were. As it's written, people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And so when God sent the angel, when God came down and spoke to man, and he gave them instructions, and he wanted them to follow, he was setting an example for us through them. I want you to obey me. So what was, what was Israel's problem? Psalm 95. I guess we could go over many of Israel's problems. And, and we could also discover how those problems that Israel had, how they might relate to some of us. Well, let's just think about one thing. Israel, they were stubborn. I think God called them stubborn, obstinate people. I can be stubborn sometimes. How about you? And God says, don't be stubborn toward me. But God, this is what I want. And God says, okay, I understand that, but I need you to think about maybe what I want. And not always think about what you want. Okay. Psalm 95 and verse 7. For he is our God. We are his people people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, wait, we are the sheep of his pasture. We are his people. We are the sheep of his... Oh, wait, it's all about him anyway, isn't it? It's all about God, isn't it? Yeah, we belong to God. Do we live that way? Wait, we belong to God. Is that good? 
Or is that, what do you think about that in your life? We belong to the master creator. We belong to the only God of the universe, the only God of gods. Isn't that great? Shouldn't we say, God, lead us, tell us what you want, and, and then follow willingly and willfully with a strong desire in our hearts? Today, if you hear his voice, verse, verse uh, 8, do not harden your hearts. Now to the example, as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa, in the wilderness. Oh, oh, there's an example, Lord? Yeah. Yeah, don't be like them. Verse 9 says, When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people who err in their heart, and they do not know my ways. Therefore I swore my anger, truly they should not enter into my rest. And guess what? They didn't. They didn't make it into the rest, into the promised land. And then the Hebrew writer picks this up in Hebrews chapter 4. He picks up the same idea, this thought, as he said in chapter 2, to obey God and listen to God. And he continues on with the mastery of God and, and Jesus and the power of God. And he picks up in chapter 4 about the believer's rest. That, that Israel, most of Israel didn't make it in. All from the age of 20 and upward died in the wilderness. But they didn't have to. They died because they were stubborn. They were selfish. And they were unwilling to yield. And God says, today if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. Chapter 4, verse 7. He again fixes a certain day today, saying, now he's talking about heaven in a moment. Through David, after so long a time, just as it has been said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your, your hearts. We're going back to the messenger of the covenant in Exodus 23. Listen and obey the voice of Jesus. You know, that, that word obey has become so negative, hasn't it? I mean, you know, it's funny how the world, how we, we transform, we take words that are good words and we turn them into, into bad words. And to obey, well, that's, that's kind of a bad word, especially today, right? To obey. No, it's a great word. Obey God. What a blessing. There's a blessing in it. Will I obey God? Will I listen to the voice of Jesus? Sometimes I can, you know, you can think about your, your conscience and your mind. And in your mind you're going, you know, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't, I shouldn't. And, and sometimes we've already gone through it. I shouldn't be doing this. And we go along with it anyway. No, God says, obey me. Stop. Sinning. Stop sinning. And love God. Verse 20 says, Behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Kind of sounds like John 14, verse, I prepared a place for you. What? And, and guess what? And, and God guards us, doesn't he? 
and he protects us from the evil one, and he's leading us along the way. He's still leading us. He's still doing what he promised he would do for them, and he's doing it for us. Are we following? Is God still in the front, or am I now in the front? Is he leading me? Am I obeying him? Where is he leading me to? He's trying to lead me home to heaven. In order to get there, I need forgiveness. And I can't find forgiveness in any other place but through Jesus. And in verse 21 it says, Be on your guard before him and obey his voice and do not be rebellious toward him for he will not pardon your sins or your transgressions since my name is in him. The pardoning of our, our sins, our transgressions, you can't find it on the earth. Only in Jesus. Why wouldn't I want to obey God? You can obey God. It's so great, right? He's given each of us the power and the authority and the blessing to be able to obey. To say no to sin. To give our lives to Jesus. To allow Jesus to lead us home. Don't rebel against his voice. You hear his word and you believe it and, you, and you're willing to repent or, 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 if you will, turn your life around. Are you willing to confess his name and then be baptized, immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins? Or will you rebel? Or as I'm walking with Jesus and I, and I, and I heard myself, don't do that, and I find myself in sin, have I confessed? Have I repented of my sin? Or am I just going along as if as if God has nothing to say about it. Do not be rebellious against Jesus. In verse 22 it says, But if you will truly obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, Canaanite, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will completely destroy them. Question. Did God keep his promise? Yeah. That's an example. So can and will God keep his promise? He's faithful. Yes, he will. Will you give your lives to Jesus forever? From this day forward, if you haven't done it in the past, from this day forward, will you give your lives to Jesus? Will you pay a careful attention to what he has to say? Will we listen to him? Will we find ourselves in rebellion or in obedience to our great Savior? Will we follow him and receive that great blessings? He said, I'm leading you to a place that I prepared. Are you ready? Are you prepared? The lesson is yours this morning. Let Jesus be your guide. Let Jesus be your God. This morning, if we can help in any way, please come. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation.